Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the First View Podcast. What? I'm not Juan Perez, but Juan Perez is sitting <laughs> right here. Say hi, Juan. Yeah, what's up, everybody? <laughs> um, so, Juan, do you want to explain why there's another person's voice behind the Yeah. Mic? Oh, my God. Everyone, Johnny's amazing. Um, he's been on the team now as our editor, and he's shown me his enthusiasm, his passion, his love for the arts, his love for the people. Um, and in the f- past few weeks, like I've had a really tough time just being, you know, a solo interviewer. And honestly, I just wanted to make sure that we brought on people onto the podcast that could create change and can create content that is, you know, better for everyone. And I knew that Johnny was the person to, to bring, bring on as a host and to finally like bring on that enthusiasm and that passion that we needed for our podcast. And so without doubt, Johnny is the guy, Johnny's the man, and I'm super excited to be, you know, with him in, in, in this co-hosting position. And honestly, I'm going to learn a lot from him. So mm-hmm. with that, you know, mm-hmm. introducing Johnny, an yeah, amazing yeah. human being. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You, you went on about me a little bit longer than, than necessary because we got this fabulous guest here, Katie Chen. How are you? I'm good. So Katie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm a rising senior at Limburg High School in San Jose, California, and I'm currently a district lead for the Diversifier Narrative Campaign, which is a nationwide campaign that has chapters in high schools, like basically all over the U.S. right now. Yeah, so, uh, you know, when we were looking over your uh, pre-interview survey, um, you know, we we saw that you talked a lot about uh, identity and, and finding your identity uh, specifically through literature and whatnot. Um, I, I want to know, how did the environment around you, you know, at home or at school, the people, culture, places, everything, um, how did that affect you and your identity or your perception of your identity? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I feel like in the area that I'm growing up in, which is the Silicon Valley, since I'm in San Jose right now, there's a lot of like technology and just like advancement around me. And I live in an area where there's a lot of, it's pretty concentrated with like people from like Asian descent. And especially a lot of my friends are Asian American. At my school, we have about like 80 to 90% of people are Asian American. So I feel like growing up in this environment, it was kind of strange for me because I kind of lived in this bubble where I was stuck with people who are my culture, but at the same time, like on TV or in books, I would read about people who look nothing like me and people who are having experiences that were really, that were really just different from myself. So I feel like growing up, it was kind of like, I felt kind of disconnected from the rest of the world. And I felt like when I went outside of this area, like for traveling or like camps or anything else like that, like it was a really weird experience for me because I felt like all of a sudden it was like I didn't belong in that community even though I was used to belonging for so long at home because everyone else like looked like me and shared my um, experiences and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like my whole journey with literature was really important with that and showing me that like even outside of this bubble there are still people who look like me who can be successful and people who have the same interests as myself because I feel like another part of living in this area is that a lot of people's parents expect them to be like engineers or like CS people or doctors. And for me, that was something that I thought I would do for a really long time. But I think realizing that I really just love literature and the arts and humanities, that was something that like, I knew that I couldn't just be like another doctor or engineer. So I wanted to kind of go more to the humanities. And for me, that was also something that kind of made me feel a little bit more alone at times because all my friends were going to schools like, you know, MIT or like med school or stuff like that. And for me, that just wasn't something that I wanted to do. 
but I feel like reading books, for example, like the Joy Luck Club, which I mentioned, like these were people who had similar struggles to mine, like identity struggles, and not all of them were like your typical stereotypical like doctor or engineer. So I feel like that really just helped me to accept who I was and figure out that whatever I want to do, my direction is still as valid as other people's. So yeah, before we get into the Joy Luck Club, which you talk a little bit more about in your survey, which I really want to dive into. Um, I live in, you know, we live in Salinas, um, which is like 90% Latino. So I, I relate to like the struggles of, you know, finding your identity as, as yourself. How, how did you try to get different identities? Like, how did you try to like find different perspectives, um, knowing that you were in this like bubble and, and, or like, did you, and if you did, like, how, how did you do that? I feel like it was mostly through like entertainment, like at first, mm. you know, obviously most of the people in entertainment are kind of like the same demographic. But seeing people like, um, I don't know, like Lucy Liu, Constance Wu, those people who were successful in the arts and they didn't just follow like whatever their parents wanted to do. That was something that was kind of really inspiring to me. And I feel someone else that I really looked, looked up to was Gemma Chan because she studied law at Oxford. And I'm also considering going into law. And for me, when I first wanted to do that, that was something that was like, really scary because everyone around me was like, why are you going to the humanities? Like, you know, like this, they just didn't expect me to do that. But seeing that someone like her, who was just like so interdisciplinary and she was so capable of this stuff kind of just like inspired me to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I the first question that pops into my mind is like, why are you going to the arts? And maybe you could dive into a little bit more of like a deeper meaning of like why and maybe some struggles you've already, you know, faced going onto that path. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've always been someone who's been pretty connected with the arts kind of on my own. Um, obviously, like growing up, like I mentioned, I was I was like the stereotypical kid who took all those advanced STEM classes, math classes. And I think at first I kind of let myself buy into it. And it's something that I see a lot of my friends struggling with, too, um, in that like our parents expect us to take these classes and be successful. And sometimes we are successful. But for me, I think after achieving that kind of stuff, which was great, I realized that I didn't really like it that much. And like the only reason why I was doing it was because I was expected to do it. And I feel like I liked it, but to the extent that I was achieving something, not so much because I liked the material that I was learning or any of that. Um, but I was, I was really lucky because I started writing from a really young age and writing like poetry, short stories, all that kind of stuff was something that just really helped me process through all of this. And I think when I was young, I treated it more of like a side thing that I would do every once in a while. Um, but as I grew up, I found that I was writing things that were more, a lot more personal to me and things that actually helped me process what was going on, like whenever I was struggling with something. And so I think up until like pretty much like eighth grade or like freshman year of high school, I still wanted to be like, just, I wasn't sure, like probably something related to STEM, I guess, or like, I think I wanted to study neuroscience at one point. And then like, I remember in freshman year, I, I was like, kind of bored one weekend and then I heard that there was this like law conference going on at UC Hastings and it was just like a panel of a bunch of lawyers who are really passionate about what they do and they range from everything from like corporate law to like public defense all that kind of stuff and I feel like hearing them talk was just like so different because they were fighting for people and things that they really believed in and I feel like when I was sitting there I just like had a sudden realization where I was like this is what I want to do like not necessarily law at that time, but it was just like something where I'm able to help people using my words and using all this writing that I've been doing. And I feel like for me, writing has always just been something that comes pretty naturally to me or it's just something that I really truly enjoy doing. And 
I guess kind of thinking about that kind of got me to the conclusion that that's where I want to go in the future. And I feel like ever since then, I've just been a lot happier with like myself and what I see in the future. And I don't necessarily like, I think that up until now, like my parents are still like trying to be supportive, even though I know that sometimes they're a little bit like iffy about it. Um, but I feel like that's probably the best thing that I've ever done for myself because I see that a lot of my friends, they are planning a major in like CS or like bio in college. But I know that a lot of them don't really enjoy it. And I'm just personally really glad that I was able to tell myself, like, if I keep doing this, I'm not going to be happy later on. So, yeah, that's pretty much how I got here. Can we just talk about how hard it is for, like, those societal norms to, like, get away from them? Because I think I hear that a lot, right? Like, yeah, no, oh, I, I want I want to go into CS because my parents want me to make a lot of money. Um, so I actually have, like, a question for both of you, which is, like, how can people get away from that? And more specifically to Katie, like, how did you get away from that? It's one of those things that just obviously doesn't happen overnight. And like, honestly, looking back, everything is kind of just like blurred together. Like I see like before and after, but I, I don't really think of like the middle all the time. But I feel like for me, it was kind of just like a gradual like insistence because my parents knew that I was into writing and they were supportive of it early on. But I feel like early on their image was like, why don't you be a doctor who can also write? And then mm. later on, I was like, what mm. if I don't want to be the doctor, but I just want to write? And then I feel like at the beginning, they kind of didn't take me seriously. So in that sense, it wasn't too hard because whenever I said it, they would be like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, whatever. You're going to go be a writer or whatever. And they didn't really believe me. But I think I, when I started researching like universities and like different programs and actually like talking to professionals, and I was really lucky to be able to get an internship last summer related to law. And I feel like that from there, like they kind of saw that that was something that I genuinely wanted to do. It wasn't just like a joke and it wasn't just something that I wanted to do just because I didn't want to be a doctor, but it was something that I'm actually really passionate about and interested in. And yeah, so I feel like from there, there's not really like a clear way to break away from those norms, like you said, like there's not, there's not like a formula or anything and it's definitely hard every time. But I think kind of just having that kind of inner motivation to do something is something that like people will hopefully See, eventually, I'm lucky that my parents and the people around me were appreciative of that and they recognized that. And I think that just really helped me to figure out that that's what I want to do. And I'm not going to give up what I want to do just because other people expect me to go a different way. Yeah. Um, and I, like I said, I did want to dive into the lucky, the Joy Luck Club. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, having you talk a little bit more about the book and then finally, finally, how it actually impacted you and like the path that you're on now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I feel like that book was just something that I, I don't know how to ex explain it. Like, I wasn't necessarily, like, shocked at the book because, like, it was so normal. But I think it was because of that that I was so surprised to read it. Because I feel like um, growing up, I read books where, like, people who look like me, like Asian American females, we were usually, like, a side character. I think a classic example is, like, Cho Chang and Harry Potter. Like, she's you know, she's, like, there, and, like, some people are, like, yeah, you know, Asians are represented, but, like, no, that's not representation, you know, like, she's, she's, like, weak, she's, like, a character who is there to serve, to kind of uplift Harry Potter, which is obviously, like, I'm not saying that he's, like, a bad person or anything, but I'm just saying, like, her purpose isn't as, like, a strong human being, her purpose is just, like, kind of, like, a side thing, so I feel like with the Joy Luck Club, I expected it to be kind of like that, um, but I was like pleasantly surprised to see that a lot of the people had the same struggles as myself with their parents expecting them to do certain things. And there's also the element of like, especially with immigrant parents, like they expect you to stay kind of 
connected to your homeland. And I feel like mm. for me, that's something that I struggled with as a Taiwanese American, because when I, uh, growing up in America, obviously I've taken on a lot of American, American traditions and like my friends are all pretty Americanized, but I still have relatives who live in Taiwan and we still speak the language from there. So I really resonated with their kind of identity struggle and trying to figure out who they were. And I remember like, actually each one of the characters kind of has like their own kind of like journey going against their parents in one way or another. And their parents also had the same struggle. Like, um, I don't remember exactly who I read this like several years ago, but I remember one of them, like her, her mom's, so like this person's grandma wanted her mom to like have something kind of like an arranged marriage, but then like set, but then she kind of like broke that and basically ran away from her family. Obviously my story is not as dramatic as that. Like I didn't have to run away from my family, but it was kind of that element of just like going against the expectations and questioning like, why does it have to be like this? And especially in places like China where women are traditionally like not as, not viewed equally as men, I feel like that was even harder for her to do. And for me, it was like, even though I knew that it was fictional, but I know that there's probably someone who has that story. So for me, it's thinking like, if someone, if someone can have that kind of strength to do something like that, why can't I? Why can't I do the same thing with my life and choose what I want to do? So it was really just resonating with that and realizing that other stories, pe other people's stories can really become part of my own as well. It's funny, it's funny you say that because I think like right now, especially in the time we're living right now, there's a lot more people asking like, why does it have to be this way, right? Like we're starting to see like these movements happen. It's like, well, it's always been this way. It's like, but why? So it's cool that you bring that up. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I just wanted to give you some props for that. Um, I do want to, I do want to ask, you know, in, in terms of uh, what you write, um, uh, you talk about writing characters who, who look like you, you know, and, and how important that is. Uh, with those characters, what kind of stories do you like to tell with those characters? Honestly, pro a lot of them are like very similar to myself now. Um, I feel like when I was young, like I remember I I don't remember if I mentioned this in the initial survey thing, but um, when I was young, I remember I used to write like a lot of stories. Some of them, they weren't like super good, but they were like decent for my age, supposedly. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember like in kindergarten, I, I like won this writing contest or something and it was like great and all, but I feel like looking back, it was about like, it was your stereotypical like blonde haired, like blue eyed yeah. person who just right. like, and I feel like, I just really looked up to those people, like even in cartoons, like that's, those are the stereotypes that are perpetuated. Um, and those were like my heroes usually. But I feel like after having these sort of gradual revelations about myself, I'm starting to write about people who are more like myself. And I, I find that in my stories, I'm writing in things that I see in my future, like things that I'm, it's kind of, I don't want to say like self-validating, but it's more just like motivation in that when I write out these stories, it's kind of like showing myself that this is where my future can go. Like, this is the potential that I have. And I think the best part about it is that it's someone who is like almost the same as me. So it's not, I don't have to like detach myself. I don't have to like dream about anything. It's something that's actually like possible for me. I wanted to ask about your writing and something that you mentioned, which was you write about yourself kind of and about your future and your motivation. And I think that's so cool because I know that there's like thousands of other people out there who are like you that are would also be inspired by your stories so I just wanted to ask like do you make your stories and your writing public and if so like where can people who are listening go read them 
Um, not yet. I'm actually working on like trying to put that all into a website right now. So I can give you guys a link later on, but it's like pretty like rudimentary right now. So I don't have anything like up and running, but I'm trying to get that up soon because yeah, I recently realized that it would be nice if some other people could also see this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, especially just like now in this like day and age, having conversations with like my classmates about this kind of stuff, like I was really, it was like really nice to discover that a lot of people are also like kind of like poets like in their own time and that was something that I didn't know about a lot of my friends so Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get something like that together maybe even have some other people's work on there as well but yeah I'll keep you guys posted you should go check out the brown the black and brown healing project which is a a guest that we had and his their whole thing is like writing and like healing through Mm -hmm. writing so if you want I'll send you the link after but I just wanted to shout them out it's very beautiful (laughs) I I just want to say so as someone who's who's also you know, spent the majority of my life um, trying to understand my, uh, my identity and feel comfortable in my identity and, and my culture and heritage. Um, I know there are a lot of struggles with that um, in my experience, uh, but you know, a lot of successes along the way as well, you know, a lot of big strides that are made. Um, so on this journey that, that you went on, um, is there a particular step that you've taken that you're like proud of, especially proud of? Yeah, so this is actually kind of, related to diversity narrative, but it's kind of a little bit before that. So I've been doing journalism in high school. I'm on my school's newspaper. And I feel like I, coming into the program, I didn't expect to get as much out of it as I have. And last year, um, I remember like offhandedly, I think it was like, I, I was kind of just like reflecting for a moment and I didn't really have like a new story to pitch. So I kind of just pitched a story like out of nothing. And it was a story about how like, my school's curriculum is not diverse enough, especially considering that there are so many people of color on campus. And I ended up writing like an editorial on that that got published in the newspaper. And after that, you know, I didn't expect like a pretty big like response or anything like that. But it was really nice that some teachers actually read that and they started incorporating books like A Raisin in the Sun and also The Joy Luck Club into their curricula. Oh. Um, there are there are a variety of other ones too. But it was just really nice to see that people are listening and like people are willing to make these changes. And I'm lucky to live in an area where like my school has enough funding and enough of a support system where this stuff can, can, can kind of happen. And I think that was actually one of the things that motivated me to join Diversifier Narrative later on because it was just something that was really important to me. And it made like, it just meant so much to me that people also understood that as well. And they were willing to take that extra step because they heard what I had to say and they were kind of touched by what I said as well. So that was a really nice experience. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm thinking like when you were writing that editorial, were you thinking that you were gonna make like that big of change, or was it just like I'm gonna write it just to write it? Yeah, I don't know. I think I kind of wrote it almost as like, um, kind of just like dumping words on a page. But obviously, for journalism, it has to be more like structured. So I just like right. wrote all my thoughts out, and then I structured it, and then obviously I had to add in more like newsy words and stuff like that. But no, definitely at the beginning, it was, I didn't expect it to make change at all. Like, I feel like up until that point, um, my school's administration is known for being pretty, like, um, I don't know how to describe it. I guess, like, strict in their policies, so they don't necessarily listen to students that much. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think they do, they do read our editorial sometimes, and we have gotten some change from those before, but I never, I didn't really know what to expect with this one, because I didn't think that people would actually care, but yeah, so they did, and that was a good surprise. So. That's so cool. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, 
So your story is inspiring. It's impactful. It's, it's, it's quite beautiful. And before we talk about um, diversify our narrative and whatnot, we do have a couple quick little fun questions to ask um, and, and stories to talk about. Uh, yeah. So first, you mentioned in your survey that you are a grammar nerd. Um, I want to know, are you super like public about this? Like, do you correct your friend's text messages kind of person? Or do you keep <laughs> yeah. it bottled up inside, you know? No, I do not keep that bottled up inside. <laughs> I, no, like I literally, I do it to like, I like to think that I'm not annoying with it. Um, I, I don't do it to like every single person. I do it if like, to like my closer friends who know that I'm like that. And they're it's like fine. Um, but I think it's actually come into handy a lot because I'm going to be on the editorial board for my school's newspaper in the upcoming year. And specifically, I'm in charge of like content. So that's basically like my job now, which is like so exciting. And that was like, I was talking to some of the old members who graduated the past year and they said that like they chose me for that role because they knew like how into grammar I was. So <laughs> I think that's like it, it comes into handy sometimes and it's really yeah, so it's been pretty fun. Like, I've had a lot of fun correcting people's grammar, like, for a job, which is really nice. Um, yeah, and I've also, like, I'm, right now, I'm editing for an online literary magazine right now as well, and I think that's also something that is pretty good. Obviously, for, like, stuff like poetry, you can't really edit grammar that much, and especially when I'm writing poetry, like, I don't try to stick to grammar either, but there's just, like, sometimes there's some things that just, like, should not be there that you can still play around with. Um, but yeah, so I, I generally don't hide it. I don't do it to everyone, but like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, well, speaking <laughs> of writing and grammar, you and I share a similar experience because we both went uh, to California State Summer School of the Arts in 2018. Um, and I do want to talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, so just really quickly, what department were you in? You know. Yeah, so I was in the creative writing department and it was like, a super super cool experience like I literally I kind of talked about this earlier but I think one of the biggest things was just like stepping out of my bubble and like being I really felt like I was being independent for the first time because especially living in this area like my parents I never really like went anywhere without my parents and like my parents were just super like protective over everything and like growing up I went to like private schools and my parents were the kind of people who would like drive me and like pick me up right after school so I never got a chance to go anywhere and I feel like going to camp was just like such a cool experience and also realizing that like for the first time I felt like I generally wanted to learn something and it wasn't just about like grades it wasn't just about like homework but I was like excited to do the work and I would literally stay up until like 3 or 4 a.m some days like doing stuff and I would call my parents and they'll be like why are you still up like I don't believe you're actually doing work you're probably like partying or something <laughs> and I was like no like I'm actually I'm actually doing stuff the cafe is closed and yeah but yeah, so it was a really cool experience. It's just getting to talk to all these like professionals and people who have actually like done this stuff for so long. Some people who have had their work published and one of our teachers, um, I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I think he was like, he was a writer of like the pilot of Breaking Bad or something like that, which is like Ooh. super cool because he had like the actual script and like, I don't know if he was supposed to show it to us, but he did. And we actually got to read like the actual script of the show, which like, I'm not, I wasn't like a fan or anything, but it was just like, I knew what it was. And that was just like a super cool experience. And besides that, just like working with so many people who are just like incredibly talented was just a really good experience and learning from them. And all of us had our own like areas of specialization. Like some people were like pretty much already like published playwrights. Like I know that 
Zeke, one of my classmates, got into NYU Tisch for screenwriting, I believe. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's like what he wants to do, which is like super cool. And before that, I, I done some like screenwriting, but it wasn't something that I was like super into. But I think through that experience, it was just really cool to try out new things and just talk to all these people who were so like familiar with all this stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, before we move on, I want to ask for both of you, how do you apply? What is it? And maybe like giving it like a quick pitch, because there might be some people out there who are listening right now who don't know what uh, what it is. I don't know. Even, I don't know what it is. Um, and it would be great because what if someone's like super interested in the opportunity and now you're simply telling them about the opportunity. So just mm-hmm. wanted to mention that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, well, hopefully if we can ever go, if people can ever go there in person, um, <laughs> yes. they have, I don't know what their website is, but it's probably just like CSS, it's, wait, S-S-S-A. It's C-S-S-S-A dot gov dot dot org probably or is it dot ca dot gov or some something (laughs) i i don't remember i i literally submitted my application the minute before it's due i'm not even kidding like i was sitting in my bed panicking oh no no my like with uh i i so i when i was a freshman back in 2014 i was like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna apply to this and i kept i got rejected every single year until 2018 my senior year um uh, so I, I, but I was struggling so much with my application in my senior year because I was like, ah, oh, they're going to reject me again. Um, just because like with CISA, it's, it's, uh, it is a notable thing, you know, going there, uh, you get like awarded, like a, you're a California arts scholar and you get like a certificate signed by the governor and like a, a medal. Um, and, and more so than that, you get to have a college experience, a college-esque experience, you know, while you're in high school. And you also get to be in an environment and feel the energy of a bunch of other creative people who want to be there. So, um, mm-hmm. so it's a lot of fun in that regard. Um, so how do you yeah, apply? I, I absolutely, I absolutely also agree. Sorry. <laughs> I, I absolutely turned in my application like a yeah. minute before deadline and CISA the Denver dog was like, posting on Instagram and like, oh, like turn in your, turn in your applications. And I was like, ah. <laughs> they, they have like a lot of like required writing stuff. They basically require you to submit a piece from like every single genre. So like, if you are a normal person who does not procrastinate, you should prepare them like ahead of time, have people review it. Do not like frantically message people the night before, like, please read this for me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and they, yeah, I think I submitted like five or six. And I think they also ask you to explain like why why you want to go to the program, obviously, but that, mm-hmm. that should be pretty easy if you actually want to go there. Um, right. But yeah, other than that, just submit your best work, submit it on time and hope for the best. It was, I think there were also letters of rec, if I, are there? Yeah, it's, it's two yeah, letters okay. of rec. Uh, for the film department, it was three essays. And if you wanted to do like, and then you had to submit a film, um, I think. And then letters of rec, personal essays. Um, and it's like a big thing like we like there were I think Zach Efron went there at, at one mm-hmm. for one summer uh, yeah I was like so people. psyched about that like I know yeah. I <laughs> walked on the same ground as Zach Efron <laughs> <laughs> was it and, and he wasn't singing um no what what was the uh what 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 was the story that Zach Efron he like, dyed his caught? hair oh oh I thought I thought oh we're talking about two Ooh. different things <laughs> <laughs> um, no I want to uh, hear your yours? story 
Oh, well. No, okay, no, no. So I just I just read that he dyed his hair at camp for the first time. Like he dyed it like purple or something. That's all I'd I read. imagine. So many people did that when I was when I was up there. So many people bleached their hair. Um, no, yeah. so the story I heard, uh, and I don't know how true this is, so this is all a legend. <laughs> um, but with the dorms, obviously, you know, they separate uh, you know, girls on one yeah. side, boys on the other. Um Oh, I think I know and, where this and is going. You can't like cross over. But I uh but the the theory I heard was that I, I heard he got kicked out of CISA because he was caught in a in a girl's storm or he was jumping out the window of a girl's storm kicked out or either he got kicked out or they they suspected it was him but they didn't catch him so they couldn't like you know kick him out uh but but the the thing was he was like in a a girl's dorm and uh and (laughs) he got chased out by an ra interesting um, but there are like so many ways to do that without going in someone's dorm but anyway um (laughs) i know so many cal arts is nooks and crannies of places to be anyways they're like yeah Wait, so just to like explain, because I am kind of confused. CISA is a program that you apply with different departments that have different yeah. requirements to apply. It's different like college. Departments, like it's college, like and you go for summer the summer. Okay, okay. Month. Yeah, you go four for weeks. Month. It's at it's at the Cal Arts campus, California Institute of the Arts campus in Valencia. Okay. Um, and you're there for four weeks, and uh, it's a summer camp, and it runs as such. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's wanna... so hot, but it's like it's other so than hot. that, it's a great experience. Yeah. I brought it, I I like drove there with my dog who is a sheep dog and it like my I don't know why but my parents like wanted to get off the car with me so they like brought my sheep dog in like 114 degree weather uh, and just, like standing there <laughs> and they were like can my dog come in and then and then I remember like my RA was just like oh my god yes please we don't want a dead dog here so, yeah don't bring your dog when you go there but other than that okay, it's a really cool experience. Uh, <laughs> sorry we could talk about this forever but I have a feeling that we have a lot of other stuff to talk about so thank you for indulging all our yeah. uh, speed round questions um, <laughs> and uh, to anyone's listening who's like hey maybe i want to apply for cisa um it it. changed my life made me made me a better artist absolutely katie you have katie's endorsement you have my endorsement and you have zach efron's endorsement and that is quite <laughs> all you need do you, you want to move on yeah you, move on yeah this is the sort of awkwardness you can expect with yeah, yeah now, you can expect with uh, us audience <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah obviously you know we wanted to bring you on to talk about issues and more specifically your organization which is diver- di- diversify your our narrative um mm-hmm. we will be referring it to don just because you know okay, you probably yeah. don't say it all the time <laughs> yeah um and so just to like start off with like how would you explain what don is and then maybe talking a little bit more about like what you're specifically doing with them Yeah, so Don's main mission, kind of like, as a general pitch, is just like diversifying the curriculum in English classrooms, like across the nation. Um, More specifically, that would involve, for some districts, mandates, or just working individually with like teachers and administrators to get like novels or even like short stories, poems, or like plays into the curriculum. Um, And I think as a general overview, I know that um, several districts have been pretty successful and they've been talking with like teachers to get these through. And I know that I think in like LA Unified School District, I think they got like a mandate or something like that. Um, But I know that there are some districts that don't do mandates. My district doesn't do mandates. So especially for my chapter, we've been doing a lot of like outreach to teachers and department heads. And I think so far they've been like super receptive, which is really nice. Like I, I was like really surprised to see that. I thought that they would be like, no, like bye. But they were actually like super open to what we had to say. And we had a lot of teachers email back that were like, oh my gosh, like we're so excited for this. Like we've been working on this and we really want like student feedback. So just like in general, this has been like a really cool experience and actually getting like 
meeting these new teachers on campus who I've never really gotten a chance to talk to and seeing that they're like genuinely passionate about teaching was just like so cool to me. And just yesterday I had a conversation with the department head at my school and he, he's been teaching for like 60 plus years or something like that. And like the way that he talks about books is like, he literally talked about them as these like sacred things that'll like change your life. And I feel like that was just like so inspiring to me. And just starting these conversations about like the role of literature in like forming our identities and understanding ourselves as well as like other cultures is just like, it's really central to Dawn's mission in general. And I think it's something that everyone can find like a place in and relate to, so. Yeah, and I think like a quick follow-up for those who, what I like to think is whenever someone listens or hears a new organization, the immediate like question is why does it matter? So do you think you could talk a little bit more about like why does it matter that we diversify our narrative? Yeah, so um, I think I can kind of answer that sort of starting specifically with my district. So I find that within my district, obviously I mentioned that we have a pretty high concentration of like Asian Americans in this area. And I think um, in that aspect, it's good because as minorities, we understand like those struggles of feeling like we're not equal. But I think at the same time, because there's lack, there's a lack of representation from other groups like Latinos or like African Americans, sometimes people will say kind of racially insensitive things. And I noticed that there's, it's kind of like within each grade, there's like a certain like group of people who will like say these things. And like, right. I, I, I like to believe that they don't do it to be offensive. Like, I don't think they're trying to like be violent or like attack anyone, but I think it's just like a lack of education around these issues, specifically like racial slurs or just like, just like insensitive wording or like even in songs, they'll just like, they'll say things in songs that they should not be saying or just like appropriating culture. And I feel like that's just, a really big part of why this diversification is so needed other than the fact that it's also about representing our identities and I think that that can just like really solve some of obviously it's not like a perfect solution but I think every step is a good step forward and every like little bit of progress is good and I just feel like understanding the faces behind these words and understanding like why people are hurt by this understanding the history is just so important and especially like at my school for homecoming we have like homecoming is like a super big deal at my school like we have a whole week of like performances and stuff and we have people from from like every grade who will like spend months choreographing and practicing dances and they perform it during homecoming week a lot of that stuff is like rap and a lot of that is coming from ethnic groups that are not represented on our campus and so i find that a lot of people kind of take that kind of stuff for granted and sometimes they'll say insensitive things about like the music or that culture because they don't understand it so mm -hmm. i think putting putting faces and stories behind those lyrics and behind just like that general umbrella of like race or like just like grouping people into one thing is really helpful in like allowing us to understand their stories better. And I think that would avoid people, I mean, help people to avoid using these like insensitive words or like phrases or anything like that. So I think that's mm -hmm. why it's really important, especially in my district. And as for areas that are less diverse, I think obviously a very important part of that is just understanding like other cultures and being more open to the fact that there are people who don't look like you but whose stories are just as valid and their voices mm. are important and they matter so i think that's just like important for any any district like no matter what your ethnic makeup is or like who your friends are anything like that so you you definitely explain i think like the general overall mission of like what don is doing and like nationwide mm -hmm. so i kind of want to dive deeper into like what you're doing in like within your home your own school district so like how how did you exactly like join don 
so it was it was actually like a pretty smooth experience for me so like for anyone listening if you're interested i highly encourage you to start a chapter if you don't have one in your district already or to join it um but i think i they, they the national team does a really good job with like social media promo and all that stuff as you as you guys know and a lot of my friends like reposted their stuff yeah and i came across their account when i was kind of just i remember like at the beginning of this whole like black lives matter movement i was trying to do my own research on just like kind of how people are approaching this. And I was just trying to understand like different perspectives and facts. And I like browsed through different like youth websites that were working on this kind of stuff. And I think Don really appealed to me because they had a platform and they they were getting things done. And their petition right now has like, I think 45,000 signatures. So it's like- I think it's 55 was, now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I checked like last week and it was 45,000. So, but yeah, okay, 55,000. And it's just like, it it really amazed me that like they were able to create such an amazing thing and get people to actually like listen to what they had to say. So I think at first I was thinking of starting something similar, but then I realized that they were actually getting chapters to open up in like different areas across the nation. And I was really lucky because I think at that time that was when they were also starting to like expand and all that stuff. So I just got into contact right. with their exec team and we had like a brief meeting where we just talked about goals and stuff. And I just really liked what they had, especially as someone who like really appreciates literature and has really felt like literature had a big impact on me. So I felt like that was just like something that I really wanted to be a part of. So it was pretty quick. Like after that, we just got into communication. We talked about goals and then like, we kind of talked about general goals that I wanted to accomplish in my district. And mm -hmm. after that, um, I just started like, social media promo and there was someone else who's my co-district lead Johnia she goes to one of the other schools in this district and she I think she also found Dawn in a similar way and so the exec team put us in contact with each other and we started talking about goals and like we recruited some friends or just people at all the schools and currently um we're really, we're really proud that we have representatives from all five schools throughout the district which is really nice so what we've been working on and are going to be working on even more is just like contacting board members. We've been to the board meetings and we've been contacting them, contacting board members. And we've also been talking to like teachers, uh, department leads, admin about all this kind of stuff. And as I mentioned before, they're like super receptive to what we have. Um, I think the only obstacle is that not, right now with remote learning, some teachers are kind of struggling with like finding the balance between adopting these new changes and also like maintaining some sense of a stable curriculum in their classes. But yeah, so, so far we've gotten several teachers on board and I know that admin are really excited. Like my principal followed us on Instagram, which is like really huge. And that was like super nice. Cause like I've talked to her before, like for the newspaper and I was like kind of scared of her, but it's like through this, I'm just really getting to know like all these people who I thought were like so different from me, but actually finding out that their goals and their beliefs really align with mine in a lot of ways. So yeah, I think looking forward, we're just trying to get more people on board with this and we're having conversations at all five schools, like I mentioned, but just like kind of making sure that we're getting the same amount of progress in every school. And if we're not understanding like the reasons behind why we're not and understanding the reasons behind why some people are not as receptive, which I think is obviously part of the mission. But yeah, so that's pretty much where we're going for now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can I just say like, it's people like you that like make things change, like end of the day and so i mean i think that's super cool and also i just checked the website it's 51.4 so i just wanted to put that out there so don does it come after me <laughs> <laughs> yeah no uh it, it's incredible what what don is doing and uh you know and what like just just the mission of it is is incredible mm -hmm. and, and the work that you and your team are, are doing 
Um, so I know you specifically are talking about you talked about English English and stuff, but um, this year, you know, there's been just more and more discussion about the study materials provided by schools. Uh, you know, it, especially for history, um, showing a biased and oftentimes racist history. You know, completely omitting key historical facts uh, to make the country look, you know, more polished. Um, was there, you know, was there a particular time when you yourself realized uh that a lot of what's taught in history classes could be as damaging as what don's mission claims they are yeah i think again with that it wasn't i didn't really have like a light bulb moment where everything just like suddenly made sense but i think it was kind of a gradual thing because i i really like reading like historical fiction historical nonfiction, that kind of stuff and i've been reading that mm -hmm. since like probably like fifth grade or like sixth grade something like that and i think reading perspectives from like all different countries and just like people normal people who write like diaries or just like random accounts of their everyday lives and some people's perspectives of the United States especially in like wars or just like kind of climates where like they're kind of anti-US and the things that they said about the US kind of like it kind of took me by surprise because I feel like growing up I thought of the US as this like amazing power that like always wins wars and always does great things and we're like kind of the people who supposedly like fix the world and bring peace everywhere. But I think like reading these different perspectives kind of helped me to realize that like, firstly, it was kind of not everyone likes the US. And then after that, I was thinking about like, why don't people like the US? So I kind of just started doing like my own research on these topics and realizing that some of the things that we've done are not as heroic as they seem. And I know definitely just like the kind of the white savior complex is something that I've come to learn about a lot. And I'm really thankful to my sophomore year history teacher who she it was like a world history class but she taught it in such a unique way in that like she didn't just make i don't think i don't think i ever opened the textbook in that year actually um <laughs> but she basically just like gave us it was like a super traumatic class but like in a good way because like she would we studied like sex trafficking at one point and like mm. and like modern day slavery and like um, we also did a unit on how like the U.S. is sending drones to the Middle East and like killing civilians and we had like debate like class debates over the ethics of that kind of stuff and that's like very heavy stuff to deal with and also like yeah. the white savior complex that kind of stuff and I think especially that class after reading all these books kind of like everything suddenly made sense to me because I was like okay so that is why people don't like the U.S. because like we are doing these things that are not necessarily made clear to the public and I feel like through that class, I kind of just realized that like, there's there's not really a right and wrong, but it kind of just like shattered that vision of the US as like a perfect power for me. But I think that's right. also, it was kind of liberating for me as well, because in that sense, I didn't feel, I didn't feel like I had to like uphold anything or I didn't feel like there was a need to be like perfect anymore. And I feel like throughout my life, it was like this weird thing of like everyone who immigrates to America is like coming for like freedom and all that kind of stuff but there are still some people who don't benefit from that. There are some people who suffer at the hands of the US forces. So I think seeing stuff like that is just like really good for understanding different perspectives and different people's stories and understanding that not everyone shares the same like opinions or viewpoints on life. Can, can I just say like, I, I think that it's so bad that we position ourselves as being perfect. Like mm -hmm. we have to understand oh that like being perfect is not the answer to like growing it's being imperfect and learning from our like from our mistakes and I feel like that's something that mm -hmm. you realistically just like mentioned was like we've done a, a lot of bad things but like we could grow and learn from those things so yeah like it's, mm -hmm. it's cool that you mentioned that and 
and where where the the more toxic mindset comes in is acknowledging that there's change uh that needs to be mm. made but not yeah. not taking the steps to make that change and i feel like um you know there's there's many points in uh in in history and in, in you know in presence in each individual person and also in the you know in in the mass amount of people where that is a mindset for for some people you know where um or or some events or whatever you know that to acknowledge that what we did was bad yeah and you but not changing it <laughs> just re you know just fluffing it up a little bit just yeah. being like yeah let's it, it's bad but you know we can we can paint over it a little bit mm -hmm. yeah yeah and you mentioned um the history of curriculum in particular so with kind of going back to Dawn for a second, I, that's something that we've had conversations about in our district is definitely something that needs change. But I think for now, the direction that we're trying to go in as a chapter is just to focus on English first. Um, mm. And then after that, try to expand. Because I think if we spread ourselves too thin, then in the end, we're not really gonna get that much done. And yeah. I think another factor for that is that in our district, a lot of people take APUSH, which is AP US History. And for AP classes, it's like kind of regulated by the college board. And for some reason, like, a push especially is like the curriculum and like the materials are very regulated by college board and i have a few friends who've been like trying to communicate with college board about that but like college board is college board and like i mm -hmm. i like i don't want to say change cannot happen because that's never something that is true but i feel like i'd rather go in a direction where we can make big strides first have some kind of impact with the english curriculum and then after that kind of use that as a jumping off point to convince like the people in the history departments or just like the history teachers that like this is something that works and this is also change that is needed so go from there but yeah it, so i think college board have like a monopoly yeah like right like what yeah, what absolutely we should we should talk about that we should johnny like i'm gonna make an, i'm gonna make a note <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. It's it's just like a really complex thing to take on that I think we don't have the capacity to do right now just because like we're we're high school students and I feel like I don't know how willing they would be to listen to us necessarily, but like don't say that. Do not say that. You are more than a college student. And I feel like I only say that because during like high school or high school, um, during high school I tried to do the same thing, like more specifically like to voting. And a lot of people, we would start off with like, we're college students. I mean, we're high school students. And at that point, they would take us like, not so, mm -hmm. I guess, like, mm -hmm. they wouldn't take our point correctly or see our perspective. But after we just started demanding things and say, like, we're valued members of this community and we want you to change. That's when they started like perking their ears up and saying like, okay, cool. Like, we're going to listen to you now. So I would just say like, I, I just wanted like kind of to mention that because I think I, I, that's something that I learned from my experience being a high school student. It's just like, I'm not just a high school student. I'm so much more than that. I think on that, that's something that like, definitely like in this community, people have been pretty open to us, even though like definitely going mm -hmm. in, I thought that that would be an obstacle in general. It hasn't been too much of a problem, but obviously I don't know like how people would be where we don't have connections at all. Because in this community, I can say like, my friends have had these experiences or like this person mm -hmm. down the street from me has had this experience. But just like on a national level, I think part of what makes it so daunting is that these people don't have a connection to you and they don't have a reason necessarily to like read your emails or all that stuff. Right. But yeah, I mean, that said, yeah. that is something that I would hope to pursue in the future. So it's definitely like not out of the question at all. Um, well, to, to kind of wrap up here, we do want to want to say, you know, you're doing so much, you're doing a lot and you're 17, you know, um, 
So when it comes to to using your energy, using your voice, using your talents for the for the causes that that you represent and and the ideals you you, you follow, I mean, did you have any reservations going into any of it? You know, yeah. at, at such a young age. Definitely. Um, but I think especially like my experience with journalism really helped me with that. Um, and I mentioned this before, but like, I feel like what I got out of journalism is not only like improving as a writer, obviously that's like a big part of it, but also like the interpersonal skills that I got from that, I definitely like did not expect to get that. But I feel like that's mm -hmm. made me much more of like an open person. And it's so much easier for me to talk to people who I've never talked to before. And like talking, mm -hmm. especially like for the newspaper, we interview like professionals at universities around us. Like I've interviewed like community college professors, like people at San Jose State, people at Stanford. And like going in as a first year staffer, that's like so, that's like the scariest thing ever. I remember like my first interview, it was just my first interview. I, I interviewed like a senior when I was a sophomore and I was like shaking the whole time. Like I was so scared. I was like sweating the entire time. But I feel like getting over that and getting to talk to professionals and all that stuff really got me out of my shell. Um, so I feel like that really helped to prepare me for doing this work with like youth activism, all this kind of stuff. And especially like promoting and convincing people that what I'm fighting for is something that's actually worth their time. And I think those skills with like communication really helped me in like just understanding how people work as well. And realizing that sometimes like, I found that sometimes people are kind of like, I don't want to say lazy, but they just like, if they don't see a reason to listen to you, they won't. But if you give them a reason, then they will. And I think that's a really big part of like activism that's underestimated and that like maybe the first time you maybe the first time you email someone, they'll kind of just like brush it off. But even just like sending that second or third email again and then maybe bringing up like some numbers or just like testimonials or anything to back up what you have to say. That's like been really helpful for me and showing people that like I actually know what I'm talking about. I'm not just like a random person off the street. And going back to that conversation about like being a high school student, I think. To, using that as leverage is also like a really important thing for me because I think one thing is that like people with college degrees obviously they've like been in those classes and they like probably understand more about the world than some of us do but I think there's also that uniqueness in that we have more of like a fresh perspective I'd say and we're like basically like fresh out of this education system and we as students at this school we know more about it than other people who are like like outside this bubble or even like teachers who aren't necessarily experiencing it as a student. And I think just like pushing that perspective and showing them that like, even though maybe I don't have a college degree, but this isn't stuff that you learn in a college classroom. This is stuff that you just learn from like life and understanding it. And just using that as a reason for them to listen to you is something that has been really helpful for me. Yeah. Um, again, we're, we're uh, so like, so thankful that you, um, that you took the time to talk to us um, and you have an incredible story um, and just thank you so much for, for talking about it and talking about diversifier narrative. Um, where, where can everyone find you? Where can everyone find you? Plug, plug anything you want to plug. <laughs> um, I think I put my, okay. So our district national nationwide Instagram is diversifier narrative. Our district Instagram is diversifier narrative dot F yeah. Dot F U H S D. And then my personal Instagram, I put in the, um, I have it here, yeah. thing. Okay. Yeah. Cause it's like it's kind of my last name but not really so it's like hard for me to tell mm -hmm. people because they always enter it wrong but right. yeah we'll make sure to add them everywhere we'll link them in and you know all the all the show notes and whatnot yeah um but yeah this is this is a fantastic conversation um and it was just great talking to you so so you know thank you thank you guys so much for listening and thank you so much for for sharing your story yeah thank you